Today we're going to be continuing in the book of Acts and just uh, picking up where we left off yesterday. Yesterday we see this man, Gamaliel, this respected teacher of the Jews. As he stands up in the middle of the congregation after this, this, this enraging of the religious leaders as they now desire to kill the disciples, Gamaliel stands up and says, hold on guys, let's think about what we're about to do because if God is for this, we can't stop it. But if he's against this and this is not of him, it's just going to fizzle out and die on its own. So let's just take our hands off and let's just let the, 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 the things kind of go as they will and we will see which way it goes. And if God's for it, he's for it. And so when we think about that, we see that the religious leaders, the Bible says, they were persuaded by the words of Gamaliel and they logically process this idea and they thought this is the best way forward. Let's take our hands off and let's just see what God does. We don't have to kill them. But the Bible does say that on that day before they released them, verse 40 of chapter number 5, that they called in the apostles and they had them flogged. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they released them. So once again, yesterday I mentioned to you that that boiling pot of water and how it's just beginning to just kind of bubble over to the point of explosion. And what we're seeing here now is the ratcheting up of persecution. Remember back in chapters 2 and 3 and 4, it was a stern talking to. You be quiet. You stop teaching. You stop preaching or things are going to get bad for you. Now in chapter 5, they've arrested them again and now they've physically laid their hands on them. And so we see this persecution now beginning to, to ratchet up against the young church. Now here's one of the amazing, uh, amazing just uh, truths about the word of God. When the people of God are persecuted, it seems to have the opposite effect of the enemy that the enemy wants it to accomplish. You see, the the enemy wants to come and intimidate us. The enemy wants to come and persecute us. And he thinks that by doing these things and by causing us physical harm, that that is going to keep us quiet. But instead, what we see throughout Scripture is that when the people of God are persecuted and when the people of God are oppressed, it actually emboldens our faith. And for some reason, the church actually explodes. It's just the most amazing thing to witness. And we see this across the pages of scripture. And what we're going to see right here is the same exact thing take place. The Bible says that when this had happened, They were flogged and released. Now, common sense tells us that that the young church is just going to go underground. And they're going to just kind of now be quiet in their response. And and they're not going to say much. They're not going to keep on, you know, being so vocal and out in the open and preaching and teaching of the good news of Jesus. After all, if it's going to lead to physical harm, is it really worth it? And what we see here in the text is the Bible says they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin and they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be dishonored on behalf of the name. 
And every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news of the Messiah. Now just consider that for a moment. Now let me remind you of the book of James. James chapter 1, James teaches us, consider it a joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing is what James says. He says, consider it a joy when you face trials. Now, friends, that is the opposite of, of our natural human response. I mean, what do we normally do? I, I know for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a man and, uh, you know, let's just think about it for a moment. There's uh, what, what is known as the man cold. And so what is the man cold? The man cold is, you know, when we get sick with a little cold, uh, we might just have the sniffles, but, but in reality, we act like we have the flu, even though we just have the sniffles. It's, the sickness is the worst of the worst of the worst. And we lay out and we're sick and we have a little bell in our hands and we ring it for our wives to bring us our chicken noodle soup and we just watch television all day because the world is caved in and I'm not going to survive and this is the end. That's called the man cold. Okay. Now when we think about that today, we, we think about as humans, what is our tendency when facing trial? It's just to wallow around in the sloth, just to wallow around in the muck of it all and, and just act as if we have no hope, we are the worst person on earth that has, or, or the person on earth that is facing the worst sickness and we just are just in such despair. There's no happiness. There's no joy. There's no peace. We're just down in the dumps. But the Bible says, James says, no, no, consider it a joy, he says. When you face these trials because God is doing a work in you, he says, stop acting like you got the man cold. Stop, stop wallowing in shame. Stop wallowing around acting as if you have no hope. God is actually doing a work in you. And, and so we remember that the apostle Peter teaches us that we are being refined in fire so that God can produce in us an immeasurable weight of glory. And so, so we think about that refiner's fire. That refiner puts the gold in the fire. It, it melts down, and when he pulls it out, there's the dross on the top, and he scrapes off the infirmities. He puts it back in the fire. He pulls it back out. He scrapes the dross off again. He does this over and over again until the goldsmith can look into the gold and see his reflection. And that's exactly what God is doing to us through these trials. He's putting us in the fire and testing us, cleaning off the draws, cleaning off the waste. And he does this over and over again until we are complete, until he can look at us and see a reflection of himself. So when we go through these trials, when we go through these tests, we're not to wallow around as if we're to be pitied among all men. No, we are to rejoice that God is doing a great work in us because this is actually verification that we are a child of the Most High God. This is something that this young church evidently understood. 
Because when the persecution comes, instead of wallowing around and saying, oh, poor pitiful me, they throw their hands up and they rejoice because they are counted worthy to, to be a part of the family of God and be persecuted in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That seems so backwards to our minds. But when they realize and when we realize that they understood that God was doing something in them that was going to resonate in his glory, they say, God, if you have to persecute us so that you are, allow us to be persecuted so that your name can be known, then we ask that you just make us bold so that we can stand and proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what they do. They go on teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and they never waver. What an encouragement for us today. What a reminder for us today that no matter what we're going through, we have a choice to make. We can either lay down and waller around and talk about how pitiful things are, or we can realize that God is doing something in us. We can lace up our boots. We can have joy in our hearts, and we can walk forward knowing that God's doing a work that's going to resound of his glory. So I'm praying for you, friends, no matter what you're going through today, remember to have the joy that only God can give. Listen, I love you. I appreciate you joining me on New Horizons. I look forward to seeing you next time, and may God bless. 